Welcome to Literally Two Cents About Content, a podcast about what it's like to write for as little as two cents per word. I'm Alex. And I'm Elizabeth. The topic of this episode, you would never in a thousand years guess what this topic was going to be about. And I'm going to try to lead up to it in a way that makes it sound like really serious. I can't wait. No, I'm going to set the stage here. First day working at a content mill. This is in the early 2010s. So I've just been hired. I think this, so content mill, as we've discussed a few times, is basically a writing factory. So you go in, you're supposed to write like just all of these incredibly inane stories, like just like maybe four to five or even more than that every single day. So we're talking thousands of words a week and tens of thousands of words a month. Stuffed keywords, stuffed with phrases that don't make any sense to people outside of that industry. (laughs) Yes, exactly. The the whole goal of the content mill is to get writing that's highly visible in Google. So it's search engine optimization is a huge part of the content mill world. So the way you write is you're basically writing for Google. You're putting in keywords, which are basically identifiers that Google sees. And, oh, there's a lot of these here. If somebody is searching for this keyword, like how do I clean my lamp or something? And you have an article that's full of stuff like cleaning a lamp is easy. Lamp cleaning involves blah, 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 blah. You get these different words and you try to explain it in a way that it's like a whole style. There's like a whole style of this. Like you know, people have noted it before. I'm hardly breaking new ground here, but it's stuff like You'll try to figure out like some common question. How do I check the resolution of my monitor? And then you'll search for that and you'll get a bunch of articles that are like checking the resolution on the monitor involves X, Y, and Z monitor resolution checking. So it'll vary it up a little bit and it'll try to get it to anyway, getting a little. That is their <laughs> keyword that they're trying to hit. Right? Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, checking. <laughs> so if you weren't really trained in this field, you might read it and you might think something was a little weird about it. it sounded a little mechanic but you wouldn't right. exactly yeah like someone whose lang- first language is in english wrote it a yeah time. but like actually a lot of the time it's just somebody trying to shoehorn a keyword into a phrase where it doesn't yeah like shoehorn it it's it the exact right word because that was actually something that one of my early supervisors at the content mail said that we, we shouldn't try to shoehorn keywords in and i'm like this is basically the only you thing mean- you do so how can we how can, yeah. how can we frown upon this? This is really a, this is the whole lock, stock, and barrel. So anyway, yeah. But so anyway, so like, of course, going that first day of work, I didn't know really a lot of this. I didn't know that there was like that it was going to be this race to the bottom. We were just trying to churn out a lot of thinly researched, rushed content to get onto a search engine and to rank highly. But anyway, so you're sitting down, you're getting trained. <laughs> So we go over a lot of these different style rules, things that you can and cannot do. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, this is a professional writing job. So maybe there's some sort of black magic tips here that are going to be like one weird trick to make your writing X number of times better. Something like, oh, here's how to write the perfect intro, or here's how to write something very technical that's also very clear and doesn't be understood even by someone who knows nothing about the topic, but is also clear and, and meaningful to somebody who's an expert. So, yeah, I was like, wow, what are they going to throw at me next? So, with that, uh, I, I stop you. <laughs> yeah. To say that I know what you're about to say. I know what's coming, but like, I just can't. <laughs> it's so bonkers. <laughs> okay. Continue. Sorry. 
Okay. Yeah. So it's, so you're thinking like, what are they going to tell us? What kind of tips are they going to give us? Are they going to, maybe they're going to tell us, oh, maybe write more in the active voice or, or something like use, gosh, I'm blanking here for something that would be actually a useful tip that, or a generic tip. But, actually, a yeah. tip. Yeah. <laughs> Your introductions to less than a hundred like characters or something yeah. like a, use a call to action at the end of <laughs> a free piece blah 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 or some if i was actually genuinely giving somebody writing advice i've often thought about this like where would i even start and it's really hard to it's really hard to think of what good advice would be because a lot of it is just read more books <laughs> so because so much of writing is just imitating what you've read so anyway so the, they go through all these different tips and standards, like, of course, you can't use, yeah, I'm implied. You can't write like things that are profane or things, other things Google would sort of flag. But so it's a, I'm thinking about this a lot. And then it, as the day goes on, it got clearer and clearer to me that like quality was not really a huge concern here. I and mean, this meeting was one of the key ends, of course, because you aren't getting a lot of really useful writing advice. And also it dawned on me that the amount of words that they were telling us we would be ramped up into were insane. So we're talking, I think, 4,000 words a day, as I mentioned. But anyway, so you're wondering, like, all this stuff is really, the bar for quality is low. But then we do get to this point where there is one thing that's absolutely <laughs> off limits. <laughs> like Wait, an, it's three things. But there are three There's actually three things. Okay. Three golden rules. And I never remember what the other two are. Yeah. So one of these rules has been lost to time because I don't exactly know. We can't, I can't remember what it was about, but one of the rules was not to use this one source. And I think it was the Las Vegas star. I'm not even sure. Don't quote me on that, but it was some newspaper that was maybe of questionable factual value. And also it might've had some kind of litigation involved with it. Yeah. And maybe at <laughs> some point, like they had discovered that this wasn't a good thing. And one of their clients had really complained about it. Like you can, yeah. You, you can see, like, been, why they would. Yeah, you can backfill it in your head. Like, maybe this had, somebody had used this in a client. Like you said, it gotten angry. Also, this wasn't really one of these verboten things, but the Huffington Post was also quasi off limits because a lot of times when you would search for something, the Huffington Post would always rank pretty highly for that. And then you would look at it and then it would be just garbage. And so I can see why that, but uh, <laughs> anyway, they got their content. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like the, everyone's favorite, well, I actually remember when the Huffington Post launched and it was a big deal. It was weird to think about now, but, but anyway, it's, so then that sort of brings us to the last rule, which was on absolutely do not do this. And so <laughs> the thing that we were never allowed to do was we absolutely could not write about David Duchovny. Uh, yeah, David Duchovny, you probably know who he is. He's most famous as he was FBI agent Fox Mulder in the X-Files. And he's had some other, um, he has some other roles too, Californication and so on. And I remember the trainer who was telling me this was like, I think the way he explained it was something like that David Duchovny was very litigious. And so for me, I was thinking about this, first of all, what kind of article that, that a content mill of the caliber that we worked at, what kind of article could they even generate that could possibly even get his attention? Because many of these articles are, you're writing them, somebody may get emailed to somebody, maybe they get posted, maybe they don't. Either way, it's, it's you're not writing something that's going to be like, like a New York Times front page story where literally thousands or millions of people are going to see it every day. So I was like, that was really weird. And then 
the actually the PowerPoint deck that I remember that the trainer went through. I actually had a picture of David Duchovny in it with like sunglasses on, added a little extra, little extra flair to it. And, but it was ridiculous for multiple reasons. The first reason, of course, like was what I just said is like, how would it even get on his radar if somebody wrote an article that mentioned him? And the second one was at least for the type of content that, you know, and the type of team I was on, I can't imagine any sort of context in which mentioning David Duchovny would probably even, it wouldn't even make sense. Probably not even as a joke. It's, he's not some source you would quote on, on like data center technology or software defined wide area networking. Maybe I'm trying to imagine, of course, I don't, this is pure speculation here, but I'm just thinking of somebody at some point in the past that the content mill had tried to write some kind of clever angle about sci-fi. They mentioned David Duchovny. And then even then, like I said, how would they even get enough eyeballs on it to, for anybody to even know that this had been written? So, right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, but it was very, to me, it's the content mill book of Leviticus, like all the prohibitions. It's like in the, in the Bible, the book of Leviticus has all these things. Don't eat shellfish, don't eat uh, meat from animals with cloven hooves and so on. And the uh, content. Don't write about David Duchovny. (laughs) Yeah, don't write about David Duchovny. Don't use this random Las Vegas newspaper as a source. And maybe, but we're not sure, maybe don't use the HuffPo as a source either. So this is like the level of quality control that, you know, is baked in. I'm just, I'm trying to imagine this like another context, like the, my current role, I maintain a style guide. So like in different rules for how to write about things and how do you describe this, which words you use, not use. And I'm just imagining recently I wrote a very long resource that was about different names and how they should be used. I'm just imagining writing like a similar page, like a, a confluence page, like big, long, with lots of subsections and child pages on, you know, why not to write about David Duchovny? <laughs> so it was like reason number one, very litigious. Reason number two, not really relevant to data center content. And reason number three, who knows, maybe yeah. hard to spell perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so with that. So, uh, so I, while you were talking, I am, um, I was looking. Right. Yeah. I did the classic Google search. So here <laughs> the keyword algorithm stuff. It looks like in 2008, which is a good year for our previous company, I believe was the year that they were founded. That's right. <laughs> David Duchovny sued the Daily Mail over a story suggesting that he cheated on his wife. So I guess it was maybe top of mind. We yeah, writing that's, actually, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a couple of little angles there that are worth exploring. Uh-huh. The first one is that the Daily Mail, of course, is based in the UK. It's and, also basically trash. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. But the UK has much looser, like free speech laws, not looser, tighter. I, I don't, it, I can, you can get in more trouble in the UK for publishing like whatever you feel like publishing than you could in the US. Like libel, the libel standard in the US is very high. In the UK, it's maybe, it, not maybe, it is lower. So if you can, somebody publishes something like you disagree with it or you don't like it, the chances of you being able to recoup damages for that is much greater than if you've been in the US where for the most part, First Amendment jurisprudence would probably protect you. And yeah, the second thing to notice, like you said, the Daily Mail is garbage. We're talking about just like, just go there and it's it's unbelievable what it looks like and also the types of things that yeah, I'm actually just going to take a look like. Well, it's like an internet tabloid, right? It's it like is, yeah. Newspapers that are on the end caps at grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, if you were worried about David Duchovny, 
suing the Daily Mail. If that had happened in the U.S., it happened in the U.K. So if a U.S. example be somebody like trying to sue about something they saw in the National Enquirer, and that almost certainly would not work. But uh, anyway, so we're talking about the content mill we're talking about was based in the U.S. So this was a secondary concern. And as much content as this content mill that would churn out, they're never going to be the Daily Mail. They're never going to be like something that someone is going to tweet out a story and says, wow, big if true. And then they'll jump into their mentions and say, hey, this is not really true. And because that's like a typical Daily Mail, like somebody who's either naive or I don't know, overly trusting will find some Daily Mail story and I'll share it. And then it'd be like a scientist discovered that weird trick and something for cutting belly fat. And then like you read it and it's some industry sponsored survey and it's total garbage. But in a way, you know, I can see the, the spiritual link though, between content meals and daily mail, because in a way with a content meal, you could almost write anything and you're the only sort of bar in your way is basically if the client doesn't like it, you could write almost complete nonsense a lot of times. And as long as it sounded passable, you could get away with it. And those are the Daily Mail as well. It's, it's And they have a bunch of Meghan Markle stories and who knows where these were sourced from. or Sensational trash. <laughs> yeah. You know, think, but also like more people the Daily Mail than are going to read my article about cloud computing. Yeah, it's probably, it's like orders of magnitude different. It's probably like, well, if we'll read a single story, then we'll read all of the stories you published for a single client combined uh, probably, probably multiple clients maybe even i don't know i'm trying to think you could really go out there you can maybe say every story you ever wrote at the content meal oh no, oh, no i'm not oh, even worse i'm not savvy enough with the uh, analytics to eyeball it you know how much traffic like a really successful post would have gotten but it's because a lot of that was not visible to writers so anyway it's uh, but yeah it's so that's so we weren't able, we were never able to write about David Duchovny in the past. But we have. I'm at the content at all, but. Yes, but now we have, we've seized the opportunity and we have. So just a little background here is that I got into, I had to switch gears in my head here, but I tried to get back into the mode of writing a story like it was like 2013. So like I'm sitting down, I have to write it. It has to be pretty short. It has to be, it has to have these keywords, especially at the beginning. It has to have a call to action at the end. It has to have a, and then it also has to have a big, quote somewhere in the middle. This was a pretty standard practice to, to add quotes to articles. It was an easy way of padding their length and also made them seem a little more official, even though basically you were just taking the quotes from another page. So a lot of times what you were doing is you would go and search for a press release and then just lightly rewrite it. And then you know, add some keywords, add a call to action. Talked about Margaret Rouse, right? In the oh, yeah. yeah. Previous episode. Yeah. So what I would do is I would go to techtarget.com and write blah, 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 wrote Margaret Rouse reporter for <laughs> yeah. techtarget.com. Yeah. And it made, it did, it made it sound more official. It made it sound like I was consulting an expert about this. Right. Yeah. This was the whole thing. It made it, and I think that article. Wait, we, oh, wait, I should say, not that Margaret isn't an expert. But oh, I yeah. am not consulting. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is like you, you would quote these people they're writing but you had never actually spoken to them and the thing is yeah it, it's it was all very lightly researched and i believe in this article that i've mentioned in at least one episode and maybe several about it's called how to suck at business without really trying it's on popular.com and i believe in one one of the contentious points that the author who worked at the same content mill that we did he, he the person who is reviewing his work just tells him 
that he needs a quote. And the person asks him, where do I get a quote? And then the supervisor says, well, here's a name and then make something up. So we weren't quite at that level of anything goes when I was there. We still tried yeah, to. This was several years after. Yeah, I think he was there earlier than I was, even I was, but it, so the bar, the quality bar wasn't, wasn't quite that low. Although to be honest, given the amount of work that was being written, you probably could have just made up some person. Like you, you could have attributed something to like George Costanza's alter ego in <laughs> Seinfeld and nobody would have probably noticed it. And because it just speed with which you had to produce everything and the amount of token review that it got. But anyway, I did try to write though an article that I, that could, I could have imagined myself writing in 2013 in the, and I might actually do a sub stack that is just a companion post to this podcast. Cause uh, I mean, it's really, I mean, I can read it, but Seeing it on the page oh, often. Do you mind? I'll send you. Oh, yeah. You can include that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I thought I would do is I would just read through this and then also provide some different commentary on the way it was constructed. So the way I've, I've constructed it, so I've got this, I've got it, I've got the, I've got this title. So something like data center solutions get a, <laughs> get a boost from out there or something like that. Yeah. So that's the data center solutions is the keywords. So I got to get that in the title. So then I've got my intro. So my intro is data center, sorry, data center solutions are an integral part of business strategy as more enterprises look to support their data analytics platforms and 4G LTE mobile users. Moreover, by using bandwidth shaping organizations and sectors such as life sciences and law can get even more value from their data center deployments. So that intro is pretty short. It's only two sentences. It gets, I believe, within a character limit that is important to be under. It has data center solutions, which is the keyword right at the beginning. And then it has an, some other keywords, data analytics platforms and 4G LTE mobile users. So these were all sort of big keywords back in this era. And also bandwidth shaping, which is a little more obscure, but I did write for some clients who, for whom this was a very important keyword. And then I had the mentions of the different sectors, life sciences, the law, because a lot of times when you wrote one of these things, they're trying to target some very specific vertical. And a lot of times you couldn't find anything that was relevant to those verticals. So you'd be like, our clients are all in manufacturing and you would search for this keyword plus manufacturing and the results would be very disappointing and you couldn't really use anything. It would be something like some very old report that maybe was not relevant anymore, or it would be just some garbage. And then, so then after that, I've got a subhead and the subhead is the data center truth is out there. So usually almost always try to put at least one subhead in these articles is try and split them up and maybe add a keyword in there. So we have data center in there. Well, also indexes heading. Yeah, that's right. Differently. Yeah. Yeah. So we have that heading. And then after that, we've got recently the sighting of a major 1990s TV star data center facility event highlighted the benefits of data center solutions as well as bandwidth shaping and enhanced cybersecurity for businesses. I can hear you laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying to laugh because this one has a lot of um, keywords stuffed into it. So data center facility, <laughs> which is probably like a secondary I keyword. Didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Cause I, I needed to pause there to talk about this. So data center facility is, is like a secondary keyword data center solutions. We get that one again, bandwidth shaping. And then we also get enhanced cybersecurity, which cybersecurity was also a really big one. And then, so then next paragraph I've got on July 21st, X-Files star David Duchovny appeared at the opening of a new data center in Provo, Utah. The man best known for playing FBI agent Fox Mulder, 
cut the ribbon to ceremony, open the new site. And then here comes the quote, data centers are the backbone of the digital economy, said the company. This new site will support the growing volume of secure email technology messages, the ongoing increase in data analytics traffic from mobile devices, and also the endpoint monitoring services that are now standard practice for compliance-focused businesses. By the way, <laughs> the data center truth is out there at, at datacenters.com. It's where these <laughs> firms are falling in love with the cloud again. That Sorry. was an absolute <laughs> smorgasbord of keywords, and it absolutely was something David DeCovney would 100% say. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, yeah, I know, and it's... <laughs> The backbone of the digital economy thing was it was really like a, a cliche and like yeah so it's a, a lot of these keywords were nothing burgers oh yeah so, that that is like such an example of a nothing burger the backbone of the digital economy <laughs> yeah I saw that phrase used in an NPR story recently about how data yeah. centers are were like consuming too much water and I was like in a way it's, we can just drop the digital it's like these are having real world effects but yeah That's, as yeah. As a keyword, though, like you said, digital, it's too good to pass up to just throw that in there. And also, mm -hmm. it's another word to put towards your word count. Uh, so, so, and then even here, when I say the, this new site will support, instead of saying supports and present tense, because will gives you your word. Uh, <laughs> so then secure email technology, that's a real good keyword. And then data analytics, traffic, endpoint monitoring services. And then I threw in the compliance thing, even though it's generic. But a lot of clients are often like really big on cybersecurity and compliance. So. I guess it was a way to, to, to try and look like they were serious. And then, so the, this last little bit I included in that quote was uh, about how datacenters.com. So when I was working there at this content mill, uh, there was this, there was a feed for which I did not write at all, but someone else who sat right next to me did write for them. And their strategy was very odd that one of the big things they did was I think at the time, I don't know if they still do or not, but they owned the domain datacenters.com. And this was a very like 1990s sort of approach to SEO because like back in, in the 90s where Google was really a big thing, it was like, where do I find this? Let me just type the word I'm looking for, .com. And so it was then .com. Yeah. <laughs> so it was our SEO strategy now is just, we're all about data centers. So let's just buy the, the domain datacenters.com. And, uh, and I don't, like I said, I don't know if this company still owns this domain or not, but right now, if you go to the page, the headline is fall in love with the cloud again. And then it has a ton of great keywords that are taking you back, like co-location, bare metal, and multi-cloud that just works. And I'm looking at it right <laughs> now, and it is such a blast from the past. Oh, yes. And performance, cloud computing, power <laughs> with the flexibility of the cloud. Oh, we love it. Just to take a step back, imagine going into a writing job as someone who is maybe an English major or like a classical languages major like I was. And and then like day one, trying to figure out how to write about bare metal and how that's <laughs> different than multi-cloud. Yeah, great. Yeah. Those so I mean, words that I know about. I was probably an outlier because I did a lot of research, which was really not worth it, to be honest. But trying to figure out how these different things worked and how a lot of times these terms were tossed around that you would hear like multi-cloud is a really good example actually because i had a different much later i had a, a client who this was a big keyword for them multi-cloud and their definition of it was very different than what many other people thought it was like they can't remember something like they thought it was multiple public clouds but other people said oh you have multiple public clouds and private clouds and it can be multi-cloud 
And I'll, when you get into private cloud, that's often it's also its own sort of bottle of wax because it's also a term different people use in different ways. And this is something else that has been an endless I'll source be- of grief for me too. And, and other jobs where people have tried to use the term private cloud to describe something and differentiate it from something that's in the US. But it's, I, I just have really grown to dislike all of these cloud terms because they're, I was, yeah. I was told recently by someone who works like, pretty closely with cloud stuff that like private cloud doesn't mean anything so I'm, yeah I'm i don't want to get a lot of the game either but it's yeah it's uh, yeah and you so yeah so just to take a step back you have public cloud and private cloud public cloud is usually like aws microsoft azure google cloud platform the big players and private cloud is yeah like you said if i wrote that word down i'd probably just put a question mark next to it and circle it <laughs> Uh-huh. And, you know, if, if we the, were a, an instructor yeah so like i somebody wrote that in a paper i would just put like a question mark and what does this mean? what does this mean and the thing is it would vary so much from place to place and but like the image too when i first heard these terms which happened at the content mill and days after i had just been told never try by david the company the <laughs> your public cloud it gave me an image of like people going to a public pool or something like it was just you could walk in and use it at drone drones <laughs> Which is absolutely not what a public cloud is. You have to pay a lot of money to use this and you can never own it either. It's a subscription. You're putting all of your critical business data in there and you have to keep paying to access it all the time. So I think a lot of the, I wrote for a lot of private cloud companies. I honestly don't remember the distinction, but like they wanted me to talk about public cloud as if it were actually a public pool and it was inherently insecure and all this. And that actually isn't true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the metaphor is very confusing because you would think based on the way that like capitalism works and all this like neoliberal ideology that private cloud would be the thing that all the businesses were into. Because it's, oh, this is just for me. And this is, I'm not dealing with all that public stuff. And really that's not the case though, because really any reputable company of any size is probably using one of the big public cloud providers. And then, and I know for a fact that many companies who've had products that they called private cloud have basically been retiring them and trying to move people over to like these public clouds because it's a lot less hassle for, because the public cloud provider takes care of all the maintenance and to the upkeep and so on. So it's don't, don't read my article yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually that, that reminds me, I still did need to read the very like, the closing of my article, which was organizations will need data center solutions with ample bandwidth to serve growing mobile user bases. Visit datacenters.com to learn more about how your company could find its own truth through data center solutions and bandwidth allocation. So a bunch of more keywords. That's great CTA. Yeah. And then visit this to do this. And those call to actions were all tricky because a lot of times you, know, you didn't want to sound like we're too salesy, but at the same time, it's inherent. But I think as we went on, we got to some more sophisticated ones, like trying to refer people to other articles or resources that the client had created. But anyway. My favorites were always the ones where the clients had already written them. So I yeah. didn't have to think about it. Copy yeah, paste. that's true. Yeah, just copy paste. Yeah. And I think this clocked in at about Around 200 words, which would have been just about perfect. So there we have it. David Duchovny telling us that data centers are great for security email technology. It turns out that David Duchovny is also very knowledgeable (laughs) about cloud computing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say just a little bit of background, I guess. Like when we first talked about doing this episode, I was deeply in my cups and I had just gotten done telling the story again 
as we told you at the beginning, of this crazy place where I used to work, where the only thing that I could not write about was David Duchovny. It's a great party story because everybody yeah. is always like, why? And I just said, Alex, we have to do an episode about this. Like, we have to talk about, we have to talk about David Duchovny. So this is really a cathartic moment for the two of us, I think, oh, yeah. because we were unable to talk about this for so long. Yeah. Jeannie's out of the bottle now. Yeah. And so I guess if David Duchovny sues us, we'll know why. <laughs> Um, but I'm guessing that's not going to happen. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, again, like you said, who cares what these two idiots on the internet are saying? <laughs> um, We're at the Daily Mail. This was really fun for me to write <laughs> and to, like you said, like to get in that headspace of writing an article like this. It took a while because I have not written like real quote unquote content for a grip. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And especially content about this particular about cloud computing right yeah. this is my go-to because we talk about cloud computing a lot on the show and i wish i was sorry about it but but that's that's really what we used to write about a lot of oh, the yeah. time yeah. yeah so <laughs> the the title that i have it's a working title but it is reminiscent of a lot of the titles that that we used to write so it's why should you invest in the cloud Top three reasons to get cloud uh, yeah. today. Yeah, that's very good because it's like a, a the top three reasons are always like questions are also really good. When I read the brainstorm topics, those were always question titles were apparently I don't know if this is real, but they used to say that a question would rank higher. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I remember we were encouraged to write questions a lot and also the X reasons for this, especially if it was like an odd number for some reason seemed like odd. Yeah, numbers. top three, top five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think three. I wrote a top thirteen once. Oh wow! Which was I think the story had to be like nine hundred words. So I was like, let's go. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go all out. Yeah, and I'll talk a little bit about so the process for me writing this is it again. Like I said, it took like a pretty. It it took a while to get into the right headspace. But once you do, you just, the only reason, the only way that I can explain it is like a deep meditation yeah. because I literally just, I closed my eyes and my fingers found the words that I needed to say that were just the garbage <laughs> words yeah. that, that, you get, that you type so much and it, it was fun. So I will go ahead and I will, I'm going to read, I'm going to read this whole thing and some of it is silly. I will say some of it is maybe sillier than what we would have written in the past, but I'm going to read it and then we can talk about parts of it. Yeah. So, okay. Why should you invest in the cloud? Top three reasons to get cloudy today. <laughs> Cloud-based solutions to everyday problems provide significant benefits to small and large companies alike. There are plenty of reasons why small businesses should invest in cloud computing. That, the, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but that's a keyword. Should invest in cloud computing. Yes. And some yeah. are more important than others. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Like combination verb, noun, keyword. Uh-huh. Yes. That those are always, I'd actually I'd totally uh, memory hold those, but the, those are tough. So you had to basically build the entire sentence around it and save money on the cloud. Yeah. Invest in cloud. Yeah. Cloud is secure. Okay. Great. <laughs> and then small, we also have the, I don't know how many times I wrote small and medium sized businesses. Oh and God. then in parentheses, SMB. <laughs> yeah. 
yes. Because this was a lot of times that was basically the audience, but there wasn't really any way to make the content super customized for SMB versus just writing it for anyone. And, but then like just throwing that in there and be like hitting somebody over the head. Hey, by the way, big flashing light here. This is for SMB. Anyway. Here it is. Yep, here it is. Yeah. Uh, So let's take a look at the top three ways you get a return on investment from your cloud deployment. So again, (laughs) cloud deployment, return on investment. Oh, yes. Top three ways. Very important. And this is like pretty standard way that I would structure one of my stories. The let's take a look is what oh, yeah. Alex's uh, Overstack? Oh, Substack. Yeah. Substack. <laughs> Overstack <laughs> like, sounds like the subscript, like the premium version or something. I've been looking at Stack Overflow all week. So maybe if they merge, you know, we could have maybe. A, maybe. A, new, a newsletter provider who is also like a forum for everybody's uh, <laughs> programming <laughs> questions. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let's take a look at the top three ways. One, it's cheaper in the long run. Companies can save money over time by investing in cloud-based solutions. Cloud products do not require heavy upfront investments. In fact, SaaS companies often offer savings plans that you can easily build into your budget. <laughs> CapEx, OpEx, how about NoPex? I would have never written that. Yeah, that would have been borderline for me. I would have, it would have depended on the client. and But yeah. First of all, the let's take a look is that's exactly how I would have done it too, because it's, it provides you a little, some filler and it also makes it seem a little more casual and it's also a transition. So it does three sort of things at once. And then, yeah, the argument that SaaS is cheaper than owning your own stuff is like one that I'm, it was made just unbelievable number of times in articles. I don't know how many times I had to write that as well and saying you can save money by doing the subscribing instead of buying all the stuff up front, which is questionable. I guess it depends on what your use case is, but in some cases you might actually, over a long enough timeline, you would spend more uh, on the cloud than you would have if you bought it out. Right. I guess it depends on like how long you're using it. Yeah. And then also some stuff that you could have done on-premises or private cloud or whatever we want to call it. Some of that is obsolete now and you can't, it's not even an option. So like the vendor who might've offered that might've gone out of business or transitioned to SaaS themselves. So this goes right into my second point with <laughs> another feature of these articles is that yeah, low maintenance point goes into the, your second point. So yeah. number two, low maintenance. Half the point of deploying solutions, again, deploying solutions, keyword, yes. in a cloud-based environment, keyword, is that you don't have to maintain the physical equipment required to support your applications. Companies with physical servers and on-premises infrastructure, keyword, have to spend money each year on recycling machines, cleaning dust from all those wires, running a cooling system, and other monotonous things. Which, sorry, with the cloud, that's no longer a concern. (laughs) So a problem, a solution. The cloud, clearly, it's your solution. Yes, and it's glossing over some stuff because it it is still a problem. It's just a problem for someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's me someone else to deal yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. AWS is still recycling those machines, cleaning the dust out, and running the cooling. So, right, but uh, you yeah. don't have to worry about it. Your your yeah, people exactly. can focus on it's off your back. Yeah. yeah, and of course, number three, celebrity endorsement. <laughs> the last, but certainly not least, good reason that you should consider investing in cloud-based architecture. Keyword. For your next IT deployment is that wildly popular Hollywood icons like David Duchovny are on board. (laughs) (laughs) This is the dumbest thing I've ever read. Yeah. (laughs) 
I use cloud-based products every day, company said from his private yacht. <laughs> the ease with which you can build, test, and deploy applications in the cloud is astonishing. I wouldn't do business any other way. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, it's so cathartic. I'm feeling very, very good. And then, of course, your obligatory call to action at the end. And, of course, I made this website up, so don't go to this website. Or maybe if you do, buy it and then send it yeah. to us. Yeah, for more information about how to deploy your services in the cloud, get in touch with the experts at cloudcontentgremlins.com. It's worth it. <laughs> I can see that as like an infomercial voiceover, yeah. like, it's worth it. Yeah. It's and then worth like a it. big banner or something shows up. And then, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I say that it's really silly, but like I'm sure that I've written sillier for money. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it actually makes sense because, like, when he says, I use cloud-based products every day. That probably is literally true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the, I mean, I do. The second thing he says, though, is, like, for me, I can really hear him and, like, his X-Files character <laughs> saying that, like, the ease with which you can build, test, and deploy applications in the cloud is astonishing. So I'm imagining, like, I don't know, Jillian Anderson's character like, being skeptical and he, like, is going like, to explain to her how the cloud works and that it's like, creating the cloud like it's all the alien conspiracies that he bought into and that it really is out there and it's real. And this, this, <laughs> so the layer to this that I didn't realize I was putting in here is I've never seen the X-Files, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. But, but the conceit of the show is that he's the one who believes in the aliens and she doesn't. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> she believes in the cloud. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because it's kind of, it plays on gender stereotypes because. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think if you were to do like a standard gender stereotype, the man would be like the hard rationalist and the woman would be the one who believed in all the fluffy stuff. But then in the show, it's the exact opposite. Like she's a very down to earth and then he is much more, he's, he believes like every sort of conspiracy that's out there. His head is in the cloud. His head is in the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, someone really captured this very well in a, in a tweet that it's from about six years ago and it has 71,000 likes and 39,000 retweets, which is astonishing. Okay. But uh, it really captures like in two sentences of what their characters are like. Scully, so Scully is Jillian Anderson's character. So she says, this tweet says, victim died of multiple stab wounds. And then Mulder replies, so Mulder is David Duchovny's character. Mulder replies, and then it has a stage direction, throws her a file. Ever heard of the knife alien? <laughs> this like, out of that, when I first discovered this tweet, like every now and then I'll just have it running through my head because I can totally hear them in their voices saying both of these things and this, <laughs> the stage direction of throwing her a file it's perfect because i can just i can't remember I mean, it's been a while since i've seen this show but the idea of him taking a folder and throwing it to her and then saying ever heard of the knife alien and then like knife alien. Yeah. So, <laughs> but oh, yeah and it's, it's so good it's so good yeah it's that's x-files had a lot of uh, it was one of the things that I wanted to talk about just briefly was that a lot of content, like actually your example, like we have the top three reasons and so on. It's just like, it's similar to clickbait because it's, you want people to see the headline and then try and get into it and you'll see what's behind it. And so a lot of headlines that we wrote were obviously with, done with that in mind, like the question format is you want to read to get the answer or like the list. So your headline is actually a perfect example of how we approach that. And mine is a little more generic because I think mine is probably an older 
style where we're still doing like the rewriting press releases, whereas yours is yours like, is more journalistic. Yeah. yeah, actually, I could do like a whole thing with the different eras of content and how they evolved because yeah. I was there for so long. So I mean, like with the one I wrote is very early era, and then like yours is like a middle era. The, the late era one be like would be much longer. It probably a white paper. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it'd probably require interviewing somebody like from the client side. But anyway, yeah, that's its whole other ball of wax. But the X-Files anyway. So like David Duchovny's character was actually written out of the X-Files after I think season seven as a full-time character. And he was replaced by another character played by Robert Patrick, who you might know Terminator 2. And so anyway, but he wasn't completely gone from the show. Like he was still, like he had been abducted by aliens. So they were trying to find him. And every now and then at the end of everybody, these episodes of it end on like cliffhanger where some person in the distance would be running away and it would look like David Duchovny, but not exactly, but because it wasn't literally him, it was you know, somebody else. And somebody would be calling out after him, like, Mulder. And then like, uh, but anyway, that was, uh, <laughs> that was like how they kept the thread going with his character. Like, even though he was not contracted with the show at all, I think written out. And I think he might've actually sued Fox because of something about royalties that he was owed. Yeah. yeah. So I saw uh, that during my brief <laughs> on Google about the, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was funny to me that like he had been basically become persona non grata and yet they still couldn't resist using him as a teaser to get, to get people to keep watching the series. Oh, and and he actually did come back and they made a movie and then they revived the series a couple of years ago. But And then it's it had a pretty big, like I said, a pretty big cultural imprint because I remember there was a, there was actually a Game Boy Color game that came out in 2001 called The Fish Files, which was just a very whimsical X-Files parody. I think the agents were named like Scolder and Molly. Spoonerizing <laughs> their names. And it's a very obscure game though. It's because uh, like by 2001, I think the Game Boy Color was almost finished and the Game Boy Advance was already announced. But weirdly enough, it's probably one of the most technically advanced games on the Game Boy Advance because it uses some kind of rarely used high color mode. So it's much more colorful and it has a pretty detailed graphics. So, yeah, it's, I can link to that. But another thing that I had, I had thought about, like with both your domain and your fake domain and then the one, my real domain, datacenters.com, is that, uh, so that was eight or nine years ago that the other company was still trying to figure out if they could get people to read data center content by going to a domain literally called datacenters.com. And I just thought of, I don't know if you've ever seen the Netflix show, Bojack Horseman, but there's like a whole plot in there where there's like a website called whattimeisitrightnow.com. <laughs> and uh, so that's, that's like a big plot point. And people are trying to get, they're trying to get all this traffic to people for people who, <laughs> instead of checking your clock, they literally type they in, Google what time, is, what time right? is it right now? And they, and actually even further back than that, they don't even go to Google. They just put .com at the end and cut the site. But anyway, in the, in the. In one episode, they described the owner of the site as trying to get into a, quote, gritty prestige streaming world, unquote. And yeah, it's, there is some linkage between the content mill garbage that we churn out. Like you had said, I had a lot of fun writing mine at the same time. I was like, wow, this was not really that hard to write. And yeah, I used to agonize over it and be yeah. paid for it, but it's just been a way. It's nonsense because you're just shoehorning in these keywords, but there is, there is real skill in it. And you have, you do have to know how to tell a story. And I'll say... So I wrote mine in, I wouldn't say an hour today. Okay. My and it's only 300 words, right? So, oh my God, I got to pick up the pace. But <laughs> I was also like doing other things at right. the time. But I wrote it and it's exactly 280 words. 
Yeah. Wait, let me actually corroborate that. Hold on. I'm looking. <laughs> it's 275 words. Oh, yeah. Um, that, exactly in the right range. Yeah. And so back at the content mill, if you got within 20 to 25 words of the 100, yeah. then you would it would count as being that 100. So my 275 counts as 300 words, which means, and I texted Alex this, I got 1.5 unit. <laughs> Yeah, for this story, we used to actually record these on a, a spreadsheet, and uh, and so you're always dreading how can I possibly get to this amount by the end of the day. You're adding up these different numbers. You're like, well, I have to do four units for this one, and three units for this one, and et cetera, et cetera. And at some point, though, like when you cross a certain threshold, like what you were saying, with the 25 words above, and 25 words above, if I do another 50 words then I'm up to another unit. So Yeah. Uh, so you just write more garbage and yeah. you just <laughs> keep tacking on you would keep you already mentioned David to come to me, so then you're gonna mention that he is he couldn't be found for comment because he was running away at the end of And that adds fifty words. That adds fifty words and you can say something and you have like different subhead and then something else about how did you know and then you could really extend a lot of these articles. I had some articles where I started out I'd be writing them like, oh I'm gonna write four hundred words and it would end up being like as long and I would just keep tacking on stuff at the end. I would add another quote or I would start building out lists. In the top seven reasons instead of the top five, exactly. Or uh, I knew somebody who all who he wrote these just massively long articles for a cybersecurity vendor and he would just do these lists and these lists would have twelve items and then each list would have like each item would have a sub list in it. And <sighs> It was all stuff like pretty common stuff, like, you know, update your antivirus software and blah, 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 blah. It was, it was in a way, it was torturous trying to write something pretty long where you weren't really an expert on it. And you were just trying to find different things around the internet that you could every now and then you would stumble across some really good post and you'd be like, wow, this is, I can just lightly rewrite this and maybe. About 40 times. Yeah. And be like, maybe I can, I'm pretty sure I, I saved some of those in like my pin board account at some point. Cause I was like, I really need to come back to this because it's such a cold mine. I think I was writing about industrial ethernet at one point and I had found some old, and it was a very niche topic and I found some article and it was just like, I'm going to have to keep coming back to this you know, again and again. So that's me and those cloud-based faxing. Okay. Who faxes? But it's also in the yeah. cloud. I used to write 900 word articles about that stuff. Oh, but you find one article about cloud-based faxing and you're like, this is my source from now until infinity. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here's actually, I, I went looking around in my pin board and I found, uh, I just searched for something about industrial Ethernet and it turned up an article on Tech Target actually. And this article is no longer on the website, but there is a snapshot that has been saved from 2017. And the title of this is, do I need campus switches to my enterprise? And this is like a very, a very typical type of source that I would try to look at. And sounds so, really niche. Yeah. yeah. And it's exactly the type of thing that I would be like a pitch and hold into writing when I was there. It's, it talks about like layer two, layer three, and so on. And then of course, coming into this, I'd be like, I have no idea what is there from layer two or layer three. And then I'm trying to write with this client who, for them, this is everything. The, the distinction between the two is couldn't be more important. And so I'm trying to read through this and figure it out. And it was, uh, yeah, there's, you can actually click a button to join the discussion. How would your enterprise benefit from deploying a campus switch? <laughs> oh my and God. Then, oh gosh. There's a lot of other, actually that tech target, tech target is like a higher grade 
of equality that would a content bill would come out with because a lot of the people whose names are on there are actual experts or they work for some vendor who is a big player. The CEOs of or <laughs> CIOs of yeah, yeah, because a lot of times if you go to this like this page of talking about, you can't go to it because it's been taken down. But anyway, there's a lot of links on it. There's a lot of the words are hyperlinks. You get like campus network, enterprise grade land environment, router, virtual land, yeah, but category five, that- category six. Yeah. Would it be accurate to say that Tech Target is like the Wikipedia of <laughs> technology, even though Oh geez, East West traffic. I totally forgot about that one. Oh um, my gosh. So, yeah, it's up there because I mean it's I mean they're con first of all, they're very optimized for SEO. So when you're trying to do just like very basic research without having to like actually talk with anybody who is a real life expert and you're probably gonna find your way into Tech Target. And if you're in like the technology domain more actually i don't even know offhand what a campus switch is i'm sure i don't either i work (laughs) at a university so like that that's the first thing i thought of but i I doubt that's it so actually this is hilarious on duckduckgo the top hit for campus switch is the nintendo eShop two-point campus for nintendo switch oh good (laughs) (laughs) that is perfect good Uh, you couldn't and it's not even a paid ad it's just that's the organic top it makes sense right who cares about that other stuff but the switch the nintendo switch yeah and then on google actually on google it's even more dominant it's it has the top two and it also has a little call out box inside see results about i see the first one that's kind of anything about what i was just talking about is cisco campus LAN that they have and so cisco and this is another pretty good resource and cisco's page always made it really easy because they had like a broken down with graphics here you have features and benefits enhanced security or improved reliability scale with efficiency those all sound pretty inoffensive and you could take those into an article maybe reword them a little bit efficiently scale bolster security <laughs> and yeah there's your there's half your article right there we're talking about like i said the bar for quality was basically on the floor. You could just, because <laughs> you don't have any time to do anything that would actually be original or it resonate. So, which made it all the more ridiculous. They were worried about offending anybody because of these things. Even with all the SEO sort of trickery that went into them, they never would rank highly enough. Even they couldn't even touch the Daily Mail, let alone the Nintendo eShop. Nintendo does a lot of things weirdly, but it seems like they have their SEO unlock. Yeah, I have, you know, my... Next newsletter in progress, I have a theory in there about how Nintendo is a pioneer in content centralization, like how they are pretty early on into trying to offer like online game distribution and so on. Oh, and uh, get ready for those listeners because <laughs> we are going to, we're going to do a, a show about this. It's yeah. At some point, yeah, it's going to be really good. And because I've gotten into really the a rabbit hole there because Nintendo did come out with like in as early as 1995 they were they were just distributing game online in Japan they were on the, uh, the cutting edge which is not something you really think about with Nintendo in terms of technology because you think of Nintendo as being less graphically capable than like Sony or, or Microsoft in terms of like how powerful their consoles are but they and Nintendo was never into optical discs, which optical discs are considered old hat now, but it had, for a long time, they were the dominant medium for video gaming. Nintendo was never really into that. And the, the big reason was that Sony, a direct competitor, was owned the CD-ROM licensing technology along with Philips. And for DVD, I don't, I think Sony was involved in that too, but basically Nintendo was sort of the outside player there where Sony was very involved in these different optical disc developments. Nintendo didn't want to pay royalties to them, so they either put everything on cartridges or they made their own disc formats that were 
looked like a DVD or looked like a Blu-ray, but were actually different. So like a Wii disc looks like a DVD. I think it has the same capacity, but it is incompatible with a DVD player. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. But SEO. We can talk about that. Yeah. yeah in another uh, episode. But In another episode. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, but just try and tie it back to the theme. You could do, I wrote many articles for a vendor who was in online gaming. I've been on all sorts of different tangents, just on video game history and video game. And none of that was off limits at all. If I'd mentioned David Duchovny even once, that would have been like suspension without pay or something. <laughs> I don't even know what they would have done. I, w- yeah. I wonder. But I'm trying to think of an angle. There is a PS1 X-Files game. What if I mentioned that? Is that kind of mentioning David Duchovny? Maybe. Yeah. There are X-Files oh. games out there. Oh, I mean, the truth. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we are ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think this is pretty good. I think we covered everything mm-hmm. we needed to cover and it was very fun. And we'll put most of our stories on, yeah. on Alex's Substack. So if you're not subscribed to that already, Alex, yeah. have the details. Yeah. It's so it's two solid and two is too.substack.com. Every, if you're listening to the show in like Apple Podcasts or another podcast client, the uh, description should have it. I believe it automatically generates in every description, even if I don't put it there. So I think it says something like subscribe to or something. I don't know the exact lingo, but uh, yeah. So this will be one of the next episodes we post. And then now we'll also have a newsletter. It'll be short and it'll just have a little bit of background saying, Hey, if you listen to this podcast and you heard us reading these stories, this is what they look like on paper. So here's what they, here's yeah. what they look like. Yeah. Here's what they would look like on your website. Please hire <laughs> us for our, your freelance content. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of how to use the different subs editor features to fancy this up. Cause I, I, I think I can do a pull quote maybe, which is definitely a thing. Can you do a pull quote for my cat backs? <laughs> yeah. Nope. yeah. And then I think we could even do like a, a stock image. Maybe that was another element that I forgot to mention with the data center.com saga was that they also had this client also had all of their own custom images. They were part of some kind of huge project that took up lots of time for the writer, which could have been better spent turning out articles, but it was like, and they all had a certain, first of all, when you search for them, they always had this label on said, do not use except for this client. So, and they were like, you would search for a certain keyword and then you find all these images that were for this datacenter.com client, but I think it was called data center mapping or something. And they all had this certain graphic design. And, but anyway, it was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like complete, completely esoteric. Oh um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. we can wrap up. Uh, you're Alex. I'm Liz. Yeah. And find our stuff in the show notes. Yeah. And the show notes, I'll put some different stuff in there. Of course, I'll, have that separate post with the stories and I'll put the uh, knife alien tweet just so you get <laughs> the 72nd thousand person to like it. Uh, and then something about the fish files, which is also a game that basically nobody knows about, but yeah. I don't, I don't, More people know about it now. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure their creators didn't get sued by David Duchovny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that about does it. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.